And now the podcast about a group of friends who had never seen Arrested Development and the one podcaster who had no choice but to get them all together. This is Frozen Bananas and Ketchup. Anyang and welcome to another episode of Frozen Bananas and Ketchup, the podcast where, well, actually, you, you should all know this by now, but you know, some of you might not, especially one of our guests. So I'll just explain it again. This show, uh, and I, I already, uh, I guess I just spoiled that we have a guest today, but this is the podcast where we discuss Arrested Development for people who are seeing it for the first time or seeing it for the first time in a while. So as always, I am your host, John, and joining me are my splendid co-hosts, Gio, Charlie, and Peter. Gentlemen, welcome back. Hello. Buenas tardes. Hello. All right. Excellent. Happy to have everybody here. And joining us is a special guest, a, dare I say, huge Arrested Development fan. No, I daren't. We have Heather joining us. Heather, welcome to Frozen Bananas and Ketchup. Thank you. I don't understand the reference of the title of your show yet. <laughs> oh, and that's good. So the specific reason why I asked Heather to join. So he normally our guests ask for specific episodes to join, but Heather uh, has never seen Arrested Development before. And I figured this would be the perfect episode to start her on because yours truly started the show with this episode back when it aired in 2005, I, I believe it was. You know, I was flipping through the channels and this one was on. So I said, you know what? I heard this the show is good, so I'm going to watch it. Obviously, the rest is history for me. Let's see if uh, Heather was as smitten as I was. So first, let's just say hello to Heather. Heather, hi. How are you? <laughs> hello again. Hello, Heather. Hello. Hello. <laughs> hi, Heather. Hi. I am past John. <laughs> yes, yes. You're doing your best John impression. So, Heather, before we get into your thoughts on this specific episode, I want to know, what do you know about Arrest Development? Or rather, what did you know before you turned it on? I didn't know anything. I did recently come across an article about actors who've been replaced in shows, and I saw Mae Whitman as Anne. I think that's her name. That's correct. That she was not the original one, and so I knew that. And that she was supposed to be unremarkable enough that they were originally going to replace her with different actresses, but then they stopped. Um, right, she did such a good job at being bland unremarkable. that they kept her. <laughs> but I like her from other shows, so that's literally what I knew going in. Well, there you go. Well, you you picked a good episode to start because this was a, an Anne-heavy episode relative to how much Anne is often in episodes. So, excellent. Now, what we typically do is I'll read a synopsis of the episode and then everyone will just share their brief thoughts on what they thought. So, I guess without further ado, here we go. In this episode, The Immaculate Election, at his girlfriend's request, George Michael decides to run for class president, but finds that it will not be easy competing with his rival Steve Holt. Once again, Michael and Job find themselves competing with each other as it's revealed that Steve Holt is Job's son. <laughs> that is a uh, spoiler alert. That is a yeah, huge spoiler that... alert. <laughs> huge spoiler. Huge. Huge. Yeah. Huge. Yes. All right. So let's that, that wasn't even really revealed in the episode proper. It was heavily alluded to, but let's jump in and let's start with Peter. Peter, what were your thoughts on this episode? I really liked this episode. I thought it had a lot of funny points. And like we have mentioned a few times, this show really is good for like refresher viewing. And like if you've seen it one time to go back, it, like I have, because like I've seen, just as a reminder for listeners or whatever, and for Heather, I've seen this show like one time before when I became friends with John. He like 
forced me into like a marathon when the new season was coming out. So I have like one singular pass over the show. And this is kind of like my second round two viewing of it. And as we go through this, these episodes, I, I see little Easter eggs or something about foreshadowing of stuff that I know is going to happen. And this had a lot of that. And it also had nice callbacks to other episodes that we have reviewed on this podcast. So I, I enjoyed both those aspects a lot. Very good. And let's jump over to Charlie, who is definitely seeing this episode for the first time, but has watched the series up to this point. So, Charlie, what are your thoughts on this one? I hate to be the bearer of bad news. I didn't care too much for this episode. It wasn't bad by any means, but I was it just wasn't as good as some of the stuff that we've seen before. It definitely had funny moments. I think Tobias's little... Mrs. Doubtfire stick probably sold it for me, but overall, I was a little bored. All right, that's fair, and we'll we'll get into it. I'm not worried. But first, I want to hear from Gio. Gio, what were your thoughts on this one? I agree with both Peter and Charlie. I like this episode, but I also think that the second half of the episode was funnier than the first half. I didn't really chuckle until the first half. Until the first half ended? Yeah, sorry, the second half. Yeah, that's what I meant. Sorry. There we go. All right, very good. Then that brings us to Heather who is seeing this episode for the first time and has no familiarity with the characters or the plot or where anything is. So Heather, how did you receive this episode? I needed to watch it twice, which is the level of dedication that I am willing to put in to being a guest on this podcast. We appreciate that. That's what I'm talking about, Heather. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> the first pass-through was a little confusing, and both my husband and I at different points said, am I allowed to swear? Go for it. Please do. Okay. Both of us said, what the fuck? Are we watching <laughs> several times? Um, I also had an issue where I couldn't really tell Tobias and the other guy apart. So that made some of the storylines a bit confusing the first time. Who's the guy with the, the hook hand? Buster. 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 Yes, yeah. Buster and Tobias confused me for a while for some reason. Interesting. And that became clearer the second time around. And they both ended up being my favorite characters <laughs> once I was able to distinguish them. So there's that. All right. Very good. I look forward to uh, learning more about your journey and clearing up any confusion that you may have. Actually, let, let's start with, with you, Heather. What is a topic that you had? It could be a question. It could be something you liked. It could be something you didn't like. Let's just jump right on in. And what's something you wanted to talk about? What happened to Buster's hand? I feel like that might be significant. <laughs> so hey, uh, Gio, yeah, go ahead. So Job, uh, no, just just, just make it make it succinct. Make it succinct. Okay, <laughs> it was eaten, it was eaten off by a seal with a with a bow tie on it. A that was seal. originally raised by Job's ex-wife, and that yeah, it's it's a long, complicated thing. But yeah, he was bitten off by a trained seal that was released into the wild. A loose seal, if you will. A Lucille, as tied into the name of the mother. That seems really traumatic. It seemed more traumatic than I was expecting. I'm a monster. <laughs> that was so funny that he made me happy. I liked it when he tried to fire his mom. <laughs> I'm not fired. You're fired. <laughs> Him and his mom have a very complicated relationship. Well, she has a complicated relationship with all her kids, but theirs is too close for comfort a lot of times for people. <laughs> and it's very complicated between them. Yeah. <laughs> well, I found it very touching when he, he fed the Roomba. Oh, you're hungry. 
that's when I started to like him, and and therefore I was not surprised when the Roomba ended up in his bed. Um, is that also a spoiler alert? <laughs> was was that a butterscotch that he fed the Roomba? I actually don't know. I thought it was a chip. Looked like but... a carrot. A carrot. Nobody yeah, knows. It was orange. A bowl of carrots. <laughs> yeah. There was bowl of there was a bowl of carrots just sitting right there in the living room. I thought it was like a Cheeto. I was no, thinking big old Cheeto ish. Yeah. I thought it was like a cheese ball. It was very sweet. Oh, it could be really, a cheese though. ball. Yeah. yeah could be a cheese ball but yep so that's what happened to buster's hand in a recent episode that happened and he seemed to come to terms with it and then he scared some campers with it and declared himself as a monster and uh he's still recovering from that he's half machine he's declared himself <laughs> i'm a, a monster, monster! <laughs> like a, a few times a few within, times yes <laughs> since it's happened so well you know what i feel bad for him because that seems like a really traumatic thing to have happen and seals are supposed to be cute and sweet and loving and it ate him so i also would have conflicting emotions just saying oh, buster's going through true. some shit he certainly is he certainly is and his his family is not very helpful with it they did not seem sympathetic no not not so much here real quick let's jump over to charlie charlie what is a topic you had for us Speaking of Buster, I really liked his little relationship he had with the the, the maid, Lupe. <laughs> Lupe, and then we had the little miscommunication between Lupe and Lindsay with Dust Buster. <laughs> that little interaction was really fun. Uh, <laughs> you know, I've seen this episode a bunch of times, and I never like. I always thought like they were just literally talking about a real dustbuster, but like this time, like something in her head is thinking dustbuster. Like, I, I don't know what a dustbuster is like. What what that means to do to Buster? But she was horrified that Lindsay was going to do that to her brother. I know dustbuster. She was referencing as I know dustbuster. So she was talking about doing Buster. Like having sex. So she thought Lindsay was saying that she was going to go ha have sex with Buster. Because Lindsay was saying, right. Dust Buster. And Lupe was saying, Does Buster. That's why her face was like wide eyed and a, and a, a mouth was a jar. And she was like, What? Yeah. <laughs> I've watched too much Buffy. So I thought that was like a murder threat. <laughs> oh, do, do a person in? No, it's do, or, it's do a person in? Like, yeah, I know what you mean. Dust to just. Like a video. Oh, yeah. Dust. oh, okay. Yeah. But no, this is uh, just yet another incest related aspect of yeah. the show. Yet another, <laughs> you say? It's it's a oh, trend. Yeah. It's a trend, and we'll probably bring up another layer. It's not of quite Game of Thrones there. level, but it's it's close. It's it's a thing. Since we brought up a couple times Buster and his relationships with Lupe and then Lupe's replacement, the Robo Vacuum, um, I thought it was funny when Lucille walked in on Buster and Lupe and she and she's like and you're too good to polish the candlesticks <laughs> that, was, that was a pretty funny <laughs> quote I like that Lucille like yelled at the robot like it was the maid robot <laughs> who polishes candlesticks do people do that rich people what the hell yeah they get dusty Oh my god! But I just because it was polishing a candlestick is very similar to potentially something she was doing with Buster. So, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah, Peter, explain. <laughs> Hand job. Oh, thank you, Gio. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Gio's always here to help out. So, Peter, since since we got you going, what's what's a topic that you wanted to bring to the table? I guess since we talked about incest and that the spoiler alert, um, there was a spoiler in the summary. We can talk about Steve Holt, who up until now was kind of like 
the lovable jock character that we know has repeated several years of high school and that maybe has had a crush on and and so on and it was and i believe at one point she kind of dated him and then he had a liking for her mom Lindsay, when he thought that she was a transvestite and it was a whole complicated history there but now to find out that steve holt is actually job's son is an interesting thread line so she kind of maybe has kind of like a weird will they won't they relationship with her cousin george michael and now has kind of had the same cousin weird border like kentucky relationship <laughs> with her cousin steve holt i don't Wait, know what about now? <laughs> <laughs> so the main storyline between maybe and george michael is that george michael kind of has a crush on his cousin and it's this it's been kind of an ongoing thing where now he he's kind of moved away from her and that's where he focused on Anne, and now he has his girlfriend Anne. but before Anne, he kind of had feelings for for maybe and so that was kind of an ongoing thing and like i said maybe had a crush on steve holt and they kind of were seeing each other i don't know if they were officially but there was a couple episodes where they were like hanging out and then there was a tie-in with Lindsay, her mom Lindsay, with steve holt but then, so it adds a, a more distinct layer of incest. But let's talk about the illusions with uh, Steve Holt being Job's son. So they weren't quite as heavy-handed as Oscar and Buster. But did do you happen to remember the three references that came up? I can bring them up. Well, if Michael you don't specifically said that he was like a younger version of Job when yep, he was so trying that's one. to um, recruit him to help with the campaign. There was also Job saying how he like dated some girl in high school who was like super christian and and once you get pregnant they stay pregnant yeah. and he's like no i didn't no i didn't <laughs> yeah immediately yeah. Re, um changing back so you're like oh something's gonna happen and when that happened you like again because this series is really good on that you're like oh they're probably gonna i knew um some aspects of it but i didn't actually remember that steve holt was his son but I'm like, when he said that, I was like, oh, I know that that's going to like come back in some way because it was one of those things that I didn't realize it was going to be like at the very end of the episode. It's already going to like foreshadowing that. Yeah. As so and then later that. on at the assembly, he said that he looks like a chick that he did in high school. Yeah. But get a haircut. Oh, Heather, did you watch the on the next episode segment? Yes, I saw the I saw the preview. Okay. And so 99% of the time, the things that occur in those segments don't actually happen in the next episode. It's just like a fun gag section. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, the storyline is still valid. It's just, it's not something that actually will occur if you watch the next episode. That's yep. interesting. Let's see. We haven't heard from Gio in a while. Gio, what's a topic that you wanted to bring to the table? I guess I'll bring up some funny moments that I that I thought were kind of funny in the beginning of the episode, even though there wasn't that many what? funny you moments. The, in the be yeah, you said the beginning yeah, I wasn't funny at all. I, I, I well, mean, let's hear it. All right, I just wrote it ahead, down because it was slightly <laughs> funny. I'm making a magic video, going to tape myself doing tricks around the office, calling it tricks. Let me finish. Around the office. That's one of the quotes I had. So he could make money while working. Yeah, yeah, whatever. yeah. That's what we call what working. What a unique concept. That's what... <laughs> and then uh, it's funny that Michael still dogs on Anne every chance he gets. He's like, 
He's such a great kid. I mean, everybody likes him. He's George Michael. I'm not that crazy about that. And though, he'll move on. <laughs> Speaking of that, like in this one, like usually Michael's kind of right, but in this one, like I don't know, Anne gets a little bit more FaceTime and she seems a little bit more likable in this episode than usual. Yeah, and I I like that Michael was focusing on like George Michael's self esteem all the whole episode. And at the end, it he kind of points out that Anne is a source of his self esteem. He literally says that she makes him feel good about himself and michael still is like not he's like she's got you got to do something besides and to like work on his self-esteem yeah, he's still <laughs> deaf to pretty much everything george michael says and throughout the show i feel like michael thinks that george michael is like the cool kid on campus like he's always talking about how to how how cool he's like he's george michael no, nobody's cool than him and in reality he's just like not a nobody but not that popular. Star <laughs> it took him most of the day to get 10 signatures to yeah 10 signatures to wow be part of the campaign yeah he wasn't doing george michael any favors in this episode but let's jump back over to heather uh, heather did you have any more topics i loved when maybe referred to the housekeeper as mrs fingerbottom because... <laughs> no 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 uh, yeah <laughs> But Mr. Fingerbottom. Mr. Fingerbottom. But then even then he was talking about being the dad. And like, I bet if your dad was here, she would really love you. Like they were doing some really fun things yeah. with pronouns there. But the character itself was so sweet. And of, of Mrs. Featherbottom, Felidia, I think, something like that. And yeah. the song about frosting sounded, I mean, I love frosting. So I was, I was instantly charmed by Mrs. Featherbottom. Also, the fact that everybody knew exactly who that was. Oh, yeah, they all knew exactly. Yeah, he wasn't fooling anyone. Did you like the giant thing of frosting? Yes. Yeah, that's another running joke within the series with Tobias and his specific sexuality. Like, even at the beginning of this episode, when Lindsay brings up the fact that he has moved out of the house, which literally no one, including his daughter, even noticed, Michael's response was that he didn't notice that he moved out, but he noticed that they stopped TiVoing the Christopher Christopher Lowell show, which I looked up to see who that was. And it is a, a gay interior designer TV host who um, oh. apparently was originally from Portsmouth, New Hampshire. So that's a time for you New Hampshire folks. So <laughs> it was, again, it, with him being out, they're like, oh, we're no longer TiVoing this gay tv host thing so it's again an allusion to um tobias's sexuality and then also showing when when Lindsay was trying to hold the spark for one last time and she was wearing his speedo and he was all concerned about her stretching out not interested in her like physically he liked how it shaped again, his junk yeah i questioned how does a female wearing a man's speedo stretch out the, how it would shape his junk I'm just like, that's <laughs> concerning. But anyway, so that's a kind of like a running joke with Tobias in general. I did not recognize Portia de Rossi as that actress. It She was completely like a new actress to me because I've only seen her in Ellie McPhail where she's all glamorous and her laid back and like demeanor and look just completely blew me away. But I appreciated her laziness because I identified. So I feel like she and I could be friends. There you go. There you go. Just made me chuckle a little bit when Michael was talking to uh, maybe in the copy room and he was like uh, talking about uh, Steve Holt and stuff. And he's like, so he's more popular than George Michael talking about Steve Holt. And she's like, maybe he's like, 
That's like comparing apples with some fruit nobody's ever heard of. <laughs> right? You're expecting her to say oranges, but nope. Yeah. Fruit no one's ever heard of. I like when she was like, how do you know Steve Holt? AA? Are you an AA? <laughs> Are you an AA? <laughs> what was the marry me thing? Is that another incest joke? Like, does she have a crush on her no. uncle or something? No, but that one came across as a potential incest joke. But um, no, she works at, she like conned her way into a job at a, uh, she's like a movie executive at a movie studio. And like, she looks young. So whenever like people try hitting on her, she says, marry me. That's just to like make her seem, or whenever people think that she's too young, she says, marry me to make herself seem older. That's her like deflection. Okay, then. That you weren't ready for her to be a movie exec, huh? <laughs> no, that was that was new and different also, truly. Yeah, because that's how Tobias got his job as a security guard at the film studio was through her. Yeah, and then <laughs> Using the set Tobias, toilet was very funny. That's what I was just gonna say. <laughs> Is someone using the set bathroom? Oop, gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed at that. I also had a hard time because I had subtitles on. I have a hard time with Job's name being Job because I kept reading Gob. So does everyone else. (laughs) Which also is a running (laughs) joke in the the series. Even his ex-wife called him that, or his soon-to-be ex-wife. They haven't officially got a divorce. Oh, that helps. So you're not alone. That makes me feel good. Thank you. His ex-wife, whose name we we also never learned. That was funny when when uh, Mr. Fingerbottom bows her head and her nose falls off. <laughs> and they're like, obviously they know who it is, but she's like, oh my God, no, my nose. <laughs> that whole bit was like probably my favorite thing. As soon as Tobias came out, I was like, Mrs. Doubtfire, that's great. <laughs> I like how the narrator even like says that it's the exact plot of Mrs. Doubtfire, of yeah. a struggling actor who wants to see his kids again. <laughs> oh, Heather, did you recognize the narrator's voice? I did not recognize it, but I allowed myself to look at the trivia for this particular episode, and I saw it was Ron Howard. Okay, yeah, and it's Ron Howard in every episode, but uh, I'm surprised that they said that for this specific one. But yep, you are correct. Ron Howard, our buddy. Well, they or mentioned as, it because uh, he's also a voice that's coming through the wall saying, is somebody using the bathroom? Oh, um, really? I didn't, I didn't know that. That's him also. Huh. So now you know. You're welcome. Gracias. Gio, what's your name for Ron Howard? I have a name for Ron Howard. Yeah, you called him Roy Howard a few episodes ago. Oops, sorry about that. I don't remember that. Just a while back, back ago. A while Pretty ago. Sure that I was season myself. one. John yeah, doesn't okay. forget. I can't remember that. How long ago oh, was that? Worry. In season one? That was like months ago. <laughs> it's all good. Charlie, what's the topic you got for us? Dead Dove. <laughs> Yet again. That was a call. Joe <laughs> magic trick. Didn't he say it was a chicken also? He said it was a chicken. <laughs> he did, but it was Dead Dove, and I got I know. really excited. But I was... <laughs> Please Wait, explain. <laughs> so I think it was episode one where Job tells Michael, don't go in the fridge. Don't look in the bag in the fridge. There's a dead dove in there. And Michael goes in the fridge, looks in the bag, and there's a dead dove. And he goes, I don't know what I was expecting. Because it says <laughs> yeah. on the bag, dead dove. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason why there was a dead dove is because Job is a mag- magician. And he went to buy a dove for one of his magic tricks or whatever. And they show like a video camera of the store of him like walking in and buying it and he literally kills the dub by like smashing it against the door as he's like on the way out so instead of using it for a thing and or 
trying to return a literally dead dove that he killed. He just put it in a paper bag and put it in the freezer. So that was a, a callback to, to that specific thing where the in this episode, the dove fell out of a paper bag. Yeah, and there, there's been several points in the show up to this point. He's just a bad magician and his birds keep dying as well. Yeah. Peter, what is another topic you had for us? So tying into the title, which usually Arrested Development, like we've mentioned several times, has clever ways to incorporate the title. And sometimes there's multiple ways to reference it. And this one, the Immaculate Election, is kind of tying the religious aspect of Immaculate Conception. And I thought it was funny that when Anne was trying to get George Michael to run for class office. She was trying to be his campaign manager and they were um, highlighting virginity as part of the main, his main campaign because voting in righteous George Michael is noble. Um, So that was funny. And then when Job steps in to try to cheat George Michael into office and leaves because his strategy was offending her Christian sensibility and then we find out that she then goes over and helps Steve Holt with his video, which, again, had some religious references to it, saying that he didn't know his father but found a new father with the cross. And then I thought it was also funny with the with the thing that they show him on the beach with, the, like, the two footprints, which is a very specific, like, Christian reference, like, the second footprint is supposed to be, like, God or, or what have you. And he's like, and he calls it out. He's like, oh, if you wonder about these footprints, this was just the second take or something. And <laughs> I thought that was funny. Subverting your expectations. And also there was the counter of that because they kept talking about the dirty tricks, which is the opposite of immaculate, which is clean. It's true. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. So yes. everything that that family did with the elections with like the dirty tricks and things was absolutely the opposite of an immaculate election. Fact. Another religious reference was George Sr. having another religious experience um, previously. Spoilers for Heather. He had kind of a religious experience in when he was in prison and he i think became like jewish and then in this episode he experienced a similar thing where all of a sudden he became christian so that was interesting i will say i should probably have mentioned the fact that i have no idea why the father's being kept in the attic (laughs) because that seems maybe like significant but everything else completely overshadowed this poor guy stuck up there and his love for adult like i don't know his story was so sad and i just kind of ignored it (laughs) like i don't know what to do with you he's an escaped convict he had some money issues with their company um and so he got in trouble with the government there was a little saddam hussein interaction sprinkled in as well he was originally going to leave the country but he came back to the family home because his wife was sleeping with his twin brother who spoiler is Which also we didn't see in this episode. Buster's dad. I know. I'm just giving. What Heather is some even context. happening? <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah. Every every explanation you get is is not <laughs> what you expect. What I'm expecting. <laughs> we haven't seen Oscar in a few episodes, right? I haven't seen him in a little bit. It's been a little bit. His name is Oscar. But okay. There's a small cameo appearance that lasted like two or three seconds. And I was wondering if anyone realized. There were two cameo appearances that lasted like two or three seconds. Which one are you referring to? Army Hammer. 
Yeah, he was the student who called him Star Dork. Yeah, I was like, who is that? Is that one of the Winkleby twins? <laughs> it from, was. from the movie The Social Network. Yeah. And did you see the other cameo that was at the, the board meeting early in the episode? The one from The Office. She's from The Office. Yeah. Oh, Phyllis, Phyllis. right? Yeah. yeah. And she's also in an office in this episode. That she's is also in the show The OA, and she just seems like the same character yep. in all I, of this. <laughs> I love The OA. I, uh, I'm sad that it didn't do a, another season. Gio, me too. How disappointing is that? There needed to be more. This is I not know. the right podcast for it, but I will talk to you about this forever at some point. All right. Fun fact with Phyllis, she originally wasn't an actress. She was uh, like when people were auditioning, she was the person who just read the lines opposite them. And then eventually they just gave her parts. They're like, oh, you'd be good for this. So fun that's fact funny for Phyllis. I love her. <laughs> She's fun. So I'll, I'll just throw it to the floor now because we're, we're already a bit over our normal length. Uh, John, but I have anybody a question. Else? Yes, go for it. Since I played you, like the role of you during this, what made you continue to watch? I remember I watched the episode and I liked it, even though I didn't really understand everything that was going on. And then a few years after that, my girlfriend and I at the time, now wife, uh, we were walking around at, in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. So second time we've mentioned that today. And we we're looking for DVDs to watch because that's what people did back then. And I said, hey, look, Arrested Development. I saw that. That that was pretty good. Let's watch season one. Let's get it on DVD. And then we watched it and really enjoyed it. So. And that's how you fell in love and got married. Yep. It's all thanks to Arrested Development. Fun fact, we also got Troll 2 at that same location, <laughs> which was her is idea, that place, not mine. Is that place still a place? That place I believe still a place? So. I believe it's still there. Okay. I want to bring up one another quote here. Go for it. There's a part where it's like, well, take your fun, fun. That's uh, Lydia Fingerbottom. Uh, and she and then uh, maybe was like, this is feather fin bottom. Fin. <laughs> finger bottom, whatever. Feather bottom. I, I'll say finger bottom. It's funnier. And he and maybe was like, this is fin fin, and it's been banned by the FDA. And starts sing and and for Lydia finger bottom starts singing. She's like, you should always read the label. You should always read it well. I love feather bottom. I do. Geo, good thing you don't you no longer work in a pharmacy because I could totally picture you just singing that randomly, like <laughs> filling someone's <laughs> prescription order. <laughs> I used to be like a radio in my pharmacy. Like I'd be singing while used I'm to be like prescription. A radio, yeah. Like, oh, start singing songs when I'm filling prescription. No one's when no one's there, we're just like hanging out. <laughs> Not surprising in the least. Not surprised at all. <laughs> I adore it. It's fine. Did anybody else have any other topics they wanted to bring up? Just the Star Wars kid video that George Michael did. How did we forget that? It was, was pretty funny. Um, it was aligning to a real viral video from like, I think, 2002, a lot of ridicule for the real life kid that had the video. Yes. But yeah, so George Michael made that. And I thought it was funny that, again, this the show also has funny edits, including comments with the editor. And I thought it was funny that while they were showing the scene and George Michael pretends to get his hand cut off in the scene, but they don't show that. Instead of showing him in the video doing that, they cut to Buster, who recently <laughs> lost his hand. So that was humorous. Yes, it was. And then... Yeah, and then the video comes up again because they only have one videotape that they use. So it was at the end of his uh, campaign video for the whole school to see. I forgot yeah. about the original Star Wars kid video. I thought they just made it up in the show. I forgot about the actual <laughs> video. And then it ends up what 
the Star Wars video ends up being what reconnects him to Anne. She was impressed by his moves, and she's like, oh, is that really you? And then he says that he's only gotten better, and then Michael's <laughs> like, still you're still doing that? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And you got uh, a couple glimpses of the Bluths being racist once again. So you have Lucille um, telling Buster he doesn't need the comfort of an immigrant. And you have Job making his statements during uh, the other kid's video. So, again, reprehensible characters. Talking about oh, the, calling the Indian. The Indian the kid, Indian yeah. A terrorist. Student, a terrorist. terrorist. Like, yeah, you sure you mess. made that video in a cave? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't find that as funny as I think that the audiences in 2005 might have done. Like, yeah. now, I was, was just that like, in two, dude, Was that in 2005? It. Was that in 2005, yeah. the season? Yeah. This show pushes the envelope a lot with what's considered politically correct or proper and what they like make fun of. It, some parts don't necessarily age as well. But yeah, Job seems think- very proud of his comments uh, after he made them and nobody else was uh, reciprocating. Oh, we, we did get another sighting of Lindsay's slut shirt in George Michael's video. Yeah, I had that down as well. With the implication that uh, George Michael is having sex with Mrs. Featherbottom and his aunt. <laughs> Mr. I, I, Fingerbottom, get it right. I did see a reference to that in the comments, but I didn't know what a, like what that meant that the shirt showed up in other episodes. Yep, yep, that's that's all it is. It's just a recurring She shirt. originally wore it to visit her dad in prison to try to get attention, just so you know. <laughs> Thank you so much. That does help. There's another Saddam Hussein reference in the Bluth's 40th anniversary video. Like we said earlier, some light treason that the Bluths may have committed, or that the Bluths did commit by uh, working with Saddam Hussein. Oh, <laughs> it was funny when Job was working on the phone, and Michael's like, oh, you have to press pound. He's like, which one is that? Tic-tac-toe? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I wrote that down, too, in my notes, because that did make me happy. I did love how they were firing each other constantly. And then that came again in the other scene that I liked, where the mother tried to fire Lupe. And he was like, you're firing me? I'm your son. I fire you. And I liked all of that. Did everybody notice what the... The rapid fire images from uh, George Michael's campaign video were when they were talking about Steve Holt. There was a spoon of white powder and a hypodermic syringe, a pentagram, a Klansman and a burning cross, a, <laughs> a dark raptorial bird in a tree, a saluting Nazi, Mr. Banana Grabber, and a five-pointed star drawn in blood. What the hell is Mr. Banana Grabber? That's from uh, earlier in the show, the animated character they had for the banana stand. Oh, uh, okay. I figured that would make sense to you all. <laughs> I thought it was funny that Michael was trying to live vicariously through George Michael with the election. And he was like telling him that he was going to like follow in his dad's footsteps. And then Anne asked him like, oh, did you, did you win? And he was like, oh, I don't remember. And he knowing full well that he didn't. And then he was like, oh, I didn't. I think the other guy might have won, but I feel like there was a strong movement of people wanting to like challenge it. But I, I told him to let it be, and then it, we find out that he got two percent, like, two two percent of the vote. Oh, you mean George what I Michael, lost by? George Michael got George Michael got three percent. He did better than the spot. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. He, did. he got one percent. No, he got. What? 2%. I thought he, they said three. I'm with he I'm with you on this so, the, the Indian kid had 97%, and then George Michael tied with Bart Simpson in School Sucks. 
for the remaining three percent. So <laughs> if they tie, it was a three-way tie. Oh, math nerd. Okay. 1%. Speaking of the election, did everybody notice that this had like a lot of allusions to the like 2000 election? No. So you had Michael saying that he didn't want to put the school through like uh, trying to overturn the decision. It like pretty much parroting what Al Gore said after he uh, lost the electoral vote to uh, George Bush in a uh, controversial way. I was too young. And then... Like Steve Holtz, like Michael says, they underestimated the religious vote, which uh, helped George W. Bush as well. And the name of the Indian kid was Rav Nadir, which is almost Ralph Nader. Oh, oh. that went past me. I was not paying attention at 20. Ralph Nader. (laughs) I remember him. Did we talk about another reference that Steve Holt has been in school for way too long because he's won the election three years in a row ever (laughs) Four Every more, year after four his more first years. Year. <laughs> yeah, and then the student body was chanting four more years. Oh man, this is a long this is our longest episode by far. I think now is a good time for us to get to our frozen banana ratings. This is where we rate the episode one to ten. Let's jump right on in. Let's start with let's go low to high, potentially. So let's start with Charlie. What do you got for us? Smart move. Um so like I said, um it wasn't my favorite, not terrible. Charlie's starting out high. Yeah, yeah, it's you know. <laughs> I kid, I kid. <laughs> yeah, ten. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I gave this episode a six point eight. Wasn't my favorite. Had some laughs, but overall, I was kind of bored. All right, all right, that's fair. Uh, let's jump over to Giovanni. Gio, what do you got for us? I rate this episode as I said before. The first half of the, of the episode wasn't as good as the second half. I I laughed more in the second half, uh, and I give this show this episode uh, a seven point six. All right, very good. Let's jump over to Peter. Peter, what do you got for us? I enjoyed this episode. I liked a lot of the callbacks, and there was some foreshadowing. There was some foreshadowing items that I picked up on that I did not mention on this, just for the sake of the people that haven't seen it yet. I didn't want to bring that up, but for those reasons, I really we did, really did like it. So I'll give it an 8.5 frozen bananas. All right. Very good. And Heather, what do you got for us? I don't know. This was the only one I've seen. I It was a little confusing and sometimes funny and very <laughs> odd. I don't know how to quantify that. I will give it all the bananas. All the bananas? Oh, wow. That's a lot of bananas. It's all it's right. probably more than it deserves, but I, I, I sense potential. All right. And I don't want to slight it. So. Are you right, intrigued so. between what you had seen and our discussion to kind of look further into this? Or is this going to be like one and done for you? <laughs> no, it's not one and done because there was a couple of things that just like really made me laugh. Like I was... The humor when it did strike me struck me in my like happy place. Like it was it was great. I just I hope that more episodes get to that place more. So I guess all right, fine. I'll give it I don't I don't even know. I don't know how to frozen banana this. Okay, that's all right. But if you go back and do start the series over, it won't take you too long to catch up to us. Um, so you're welcome to rejoin us at a future date when uh, <laughs> when we're caught up. When I actually like know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I know John was doing this as like a little experiment to mirror his experience, but I think that you would have gotten more out of it if you have seen the other stuff and experienced for more. So if you are kind of interested or piqued your interest at all, I I would suggest kind of 
going from the beginning and catching up. I mean, Buster made me laugh and Tobias <laughs> did too. And I, I actually think that my first watching, I didn't really like them, but my second watching really endeared them. So interesting. I am more intrigued than I expected to be. Excellent. You should listen to our other episodes. I yeah, should, yeah. and I didn't, just so I didn't spoil myself. Good. But now, no, no. now watch, I can catch up. Watch the episodes, up. listen, watch, listen, watch, listen. And uh, fun fact for uh, everybody out there in podcast land, when I was developing the concept for this show, Heather was one of the people I was originally going to have as a permanent host, but uh, plans didn't work out. But we're happy to get you here and hope to have you back again soon. Thank you very much. I was too afraid. <laughs> We're not scary. We're not scary. We're fun. Before we wrap everything up, I'll just give my banana rating real quick. I would say that realistically, I'd probably give this episode an eight, but the sentimental value it has for me does boost it up to an 8.5. So I will match Peter there. Lots of fun stuff going on in here. Uh, narratively, I, I think the biggest narrative thing going on in this is Mrs. Featherbottom. Mr. Fingerbottom. How many times? There we go. There we go. Fun episode. And it definitely was enough to get me interested in the series and the rest was history. So I guess let's wrap it up. I will say thank you to Gio, Charles W. Chuck Noel, the, who I haven't said that in a couple of weeks. So I was Charles waiting w. Chuck for Noel. it. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Peter and Heather, thank you for joining. And this has been fun. Hope uh, to talk to you all again soon. Thank you so much. And uh, Heather, you can join us in this little game we have. So the next episode is called Sword of Destiny. So Heather, what do you think happens in an episode called Sword of Destiny? I think somebody finds their rightful place as King of Britain. Okay, that that is a stretch, but it could happen. Who knows? You never know with this show. <laughs> Charlie, what do you think an episode called Sword of Destiny could entail? God, it's so vague and there's so many antics. Um... I'm drawing blanks. I can't even muster up anything. All right. All right. <laughs> I go muster list. Let's go over to Geo. Geo, what do you think this episode could be? I think that someone is finally able to pull the sword of destiny out of the rock of hope and prosperity. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, right. <laughs> Let's see. Gio, I think you've seen this episode with me, but that's okay. We'll, we'll go uh, <laughs> Oh, oh, wait, is this okay? I think I, if it's if it involves Mr. Fingerbottom, I have seen the episode many times. <laughs> oh, I hope it does. Peter, what do you think an episode called Sword of Destiny could entail? My assumption would be something to do with Job and his magic tricks. And not his sword. We'll see. We shall find out. Uh, maybe one or more of you are right. Maybe one or more of you are wrong. You'll have to tune back in next week to find out or just watch the episode now. Or maybe we'll see more about the actions from his quote unquote sword and how it came to bring Steve Holt into his destiny of meeting oh, his that dad. Could be. Who knows? It could be. Steve Holt. All right. Anyang, everybody. Bye. Bye. Anyang. Bye. See you later. That dove is going to start smelling like a rigor mortis. Yes, it will. That's very practical of you. Is, I guess a, a, a dead corpse is going to start reeking. I remember I, I, I found a bird. As opposed to what kind of corpse? <laughs> a, a bird corpse. Is, is that a, does that make any sense? I don't know. Uh, I, no, I you found said a, bird. a dead corpse at first. Oh, like, what kind of corpse? Well, you know what I mean. What the hell? <laughs> so I found a bird in my, in my backyard once and I was... When I, when I lived in Massachusetts, 
and I oh, tried no. to, I tried to, it, it wasn't flying because this wing was like messed up. So I tried to save the wing uh, and try to resuscitate the bird and have it fly off again. But I put it in somewhere like in a cabinet to go back to it. And like a week <laughs> has passed. And my mom's like, what is this smell? <laughs> what is this smell? And when you open up the thing, I was like, that bird. <laughs> oh, my God. Dude, this story. I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I was, I was young. I was young. I, I wasn't. I must. I think I was like seven or eight years old. Oh, wonderful. Can, oh, moving but, on. Yeah, moving on. <laughs>